Good evening, you are listening to Three Moves Ahead, and I'm your host, Rob Zagney. Joining me today are two of our old friends. First, we have freelance writer Rowan Kaiser. Rowan, welcome to the show. Hello, thanks for having me back. And we also welcome back our friend, game designer, David Heron. Dave? Hi, it's uh, been too long. Glad to be back. It has, and uh, the reason we got you back is you sounded like you had a lot you wanted to say about the new XCOM expansion, Enemy Within, uh, which came out, uh, boy, has it been about two weeks now, right? Uh, I think something like that. Maybe maybe less than that. Maybe only a week. Yeah, so, we, so we've had a couple weeks to play around with it, uh, although I only got around to it earlier this week, so I have not uh, played nearly as much as Rowan or Dave. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of new stuff in this expansion, and I thought we'd just sort of dive right into it. And uh, Dave, I wanted to start with something you said to me over IM the other day, which is just that you, you said you kind of felt like the expansion... Uh, while interesting, was also sort of putting its uh, finger on some original issues with the game design that hadn't really been so pronounced in the original, but Enemy Within kind of exaggerates them. Uh, am I butchering what you're saying there? Could you paraphrase what you're driving at? No, I, I, and I, know, I hate to start off with, with a negative, and, and, and it is a negative. I just want to like start off at, like, I really wanted to be on this podcast because, like, you know, the original XCOM is one of the reasons why I got into game design. I was on the original Enemy Unknown podcast, and, like, I've put in well over 100 hours into this game. And uh, not the expansion, the the regular. Um, and uh, and I and I absolutely love it. So I just, like, all these, like, nitpicky things aside, it is I totally respect and, and really appreciate everything that they've done. So with that, in, that caveat in mind, if we go back to that original... Um, Recording. I think one of the issues that a lot of us had was that um, there was there was twofold. It was one we thought the strategical game, the strategic game, was a little bit a little bit weak, um, and that uh, the character customization. I know both myself and uh, John Schaefer on that podcast. We both sort of called out that we felt that um, one uh, there were like clearly optimal decision points along that tree and that it never really was a decision and that every sniper was always the same every heavy was always the same and that that was just <laughs> the, the the way that you should play uh -huh. um and and that uh two and, and largely i think as a result the way that that interacted with um what is i would say like a pretty narrow and streamlined tactical game that some of the other uh skills and abilities um, really only added extra options like on the on the very fringes of things um, they were very situational um, or they, they they just they just never really encountered like say something like getting an extra grenade when I would say like fairly early on in the game grenades become less less of a, of a factor in fact most of your most of your guys won't carry a grenade um, and so what I what I found is that I've been playing a classic Iron Man game using the uh, the ability roulette which is it gives it sort of randomizes what skills are available on the trees um, except for ones that are sort of class specific and also with the meld that really gives you this extra sort of like some other interesting decisions or at least a separate or at least ostensibly it's a separate path and what i found is is that i'm still picking the exact same the, you know the, the the skills that were dominant were still the most dominant and I'm still be able to play through the exact same strategy there's not really choices and the only difference is are those on that fringe those extra options so I'm having like a few different options but 
we're talking maybe one one decision at a tactical battle. Okay, uh, there's a lot there I want to dig into, but first, uh, you mentioned meld, and that's actually sort of central to what this expansion is all about. Uh, Rowan, you want to take us through what meld is and uh, where it figures in the design of Enemy Within, and then maybe um, I'd really like to know. First of all, do you agree with uh, with with David's original critiques of the design regarding sort of uh, optimum build issues? Uh, but first, takes off on meld. Um, okay, <laughs> uh, the meld is a new resource that uh, is largely acquired in the tactical mode. There are these little canisters that are there's two of them in most maps, where they will self-destruct after X amount of turns and you have to move your squaddies to them and pick them up before they self-destruct in order to get them. So uh, in terms of how you acquire it, it adds like a different tactical layer where speed is actually useful when it wasn't in the vast majority of missions in the first game or in the original enemy unknown. Um, and meld is used to create either... Uh, mechanized robot body things they're called mecs or mechs that you can uh, cut off your soldiers limbs and slap them into or it's also used to create genetic modifications things like giving your squaddies a second heart that will uh, keep them alive if they uh, every time they get hit they won't uh, they won't die half the time and then be alive for a med kit if half the time They'll stay alive every time. They'll have five turns to uh, survive. You can also get things that make them jump higher. Uh, I mean, you get uh, genetic modifications to their eyes so that they'll hit targets that they just missed easier, that sort of thing. So it's a strategic resource acquired in the tactical map that generally makes your soldiers stronger. As for what David was saying, I think that it's partially true, but I don't know. The way that I played, which was... It tends to be very high casualty. I would basically set up my characters to be different every time anyway and see which one survived. And I found that there generally wasn't like a an optimal build for survival, at least. And maybe I'm a little too careless with my squaddies. But other than the sniper's uh, squad shot, I tended to pick alternate my picks most of the time and, you know, it it worked for me. I, I I love the squad shot. That 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 is the clear example, right? Like that's, oh, that yeah. is the clear example. But I think even as the clear example, I think it it also illustrates for me why I I don't necessarily agree with everything you said there, Dave. Uh, because okay. like, especially like, so I have noticed first of all, like when I played the original, I played a normal Iron Man run through, so I couldn't reload. Uh, you know, play it as it lays. Uh, which was cool. Uh, I, I enjoyed it, and for me, it felt really good on that first playthrough of the original game. Uh, and it got sort of dicey by the end. Uh, you know, it was it, you know I was able to make continual progress, but I wasn't like eating entire squad wipes. Uh, you know, in missions. So for the expansion, I decided to crank it up a little bit, and I'm playing a uh, classic difficulty, but not um, Iron Man, uh, because I wanted to actually make progress before the show. Uh, and I found that. So choices that did seem a little more clear-cut in normal become a little more interesting to me in uh, in classic difficulty, for instance, because the stakes are actually much higher for every move. 
so like the sniper example, I now it, it, you know I kind of look at it as the the sniper can either take a um, an ability the squad side ability which lets lets them target anyone that's in the uh, that they have a that they have a line of sight to uh, in terms of clear field of fire to uh, who is within sight range of another unit. So whatever your allies can see, the sniper can kill, and that is incredibly powerful ability. Like you get a sniper up on a rooftop or something or the back of a truck. And uh, they will just be, like, headshotting dudes right and left. Uh, and it's awesome. But I've also found those snipers tend to be not the most survivable because, at least in, in the early phases of the game, and actually in a lot of scenarios, too, where you've got, like, maybe more dense maps uh, where the uh, fields of fire aren't as continuous, there's actually huge a huge value attaches to a sniper who has the other ability, uh, which is can keep moving, uh, can move and fire. And take an aim penalty, but can still can still shoot after movement, which is pretty advantageous. Because the one thing you don't want to be taking in in classic difficulty, you do not want incoming fire. Like the aliens hit so hard and so often that you need to be cutting down their numbers pretty much in every engagement from the word go. You fail to do that, you're screwed. Uh, so I found that like yeah, squad side is awesome for that scenario where you get that sniper up in a great position and you've got line of sight and you're just kicking ass. But I did find that you know it's definitely a case where yeah, there's an incredibly powerful ability you can take that's great in certain circumstances. But then there's kind of a really useful everyday ability that may be more applicable in most scenarios. Um, right. So I think I think maybe really misunderstanding what I, what I'm suggesting. I'm not suggesting that there is a, a dominant strategy, although although but I think that the perception for me, I think because the strategy game is so narrow, there is there is a way that I think most I think most people approach every mission and like myself, um, every man that gets on that Raptor comes back. Like there is no death. My 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 squad doesn't move if my snipers have moved, right? Um, and in and in and in this case, um, so that means that 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 one tactical decision that I that I can make and be successful is what informs every single decision. And so there is no there is no deviation from from that. Um, so that uh, be, the, that the the correct decision with this guy is always going to be the correct decision. Um, and, and the game offers nothing to to push me off of that um, off of off of off of that that one tactic. And in fact, in this game, it was great. They like in the, with the expansion um, with the invisibility and the uh, the 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 improved legs that allowed them to jump like the thin men. My snipers are invincible, right? They never even get into a point where they're where they're ever threatened because they stay at the very back. They're always invisible, and they only come out when they're about to headshot someone. Um, and in fact, right now, I've gotten into this interesting scenario where I bring in all six people have the invisibility, and and I just I, it's just it's it's these terrible massacres. I just sneak up on on the group of three huddling mutons and just annihilate them. They don't even get a chance to to react. Um, it's a uh, like I said, it, I love the game. <laughs> you have trouble getting the meld if you're so careful with your movement. No, not at all. Um, it, I, I found that the meld um, it ends up in 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 one of two scenarios. 
uh, one, the timers are either really, really long, like they're six or seven turns. There's or, like a short meld or and a long meld yeah, permission, right? Or they're like they're like two or three. And and depending on the on the map size, I think it's either you either forgo it or you take it. And and either either way, um I found that 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 with you know the standard play that I have, it hasn't really motivated me to do it. Um early on when I was experimenting, it definitely pulled me into some some scenarios that like I never should have gotten myself in. Um and uh and that sort of is where I abandoned some of my my, uh, my first playthroughs. So your point is that it's not that there's optimal builds, it's that once you have sort of a setup you like, nothing in the game forces you off of running your game plan over and over and over again. Right. Because with that it, with that setup, that game plan is the way to go. Exactly. And and I and I and I sort of I, I bring this up because I've heard in a in a number of, of different venues um this this uh expansion being compared to the other expansions from that studio, right? So like Gods and Kings and mm -hmm. and how it's incorporated with it. And what I would what I would argue is I think that Civ expansions have this history of like altering the way that you play, like especially this last Civ five expansion where like culture permeates every single decision and that totally I think altered the the game in like a pretty fantastic way and same with the, the, the tourism. Um, and le less to a less degree religion before that, um, but with this game, I found it, it or this expansion. Um, I really, it, it, at least with the with the character building, it hasn't really uh, changed uh, fundamentally changed what how I play the game and my relationship with it. Rowan, have you found that? You know, how do you, how do you, how do you respond to that? Because like you you played a lot more of it than I have. I find that I'm playing differently, but. Part of that's also I'm playing a harder game uh, than I was last time. So where where are you on this? Oh, I played I played pretty much exclusively classic. Whenever I've tried to play normal, it's just I mean maybe it gets harder as it goes on, but uh, it just is so absurdly easy at the beginning that I go back to classic quickly. And yeah, I think I found that most of the time tactically i play roughly similarly to how i did other than occasional meld gambles um but i don't know there's sort of a mental concept where like just having that there as something that i could be take more risks to go get um feels like it's different enough but uh the tactical section of xcom wasn't really the issue with the game most of the time it was the somewhat weak strategic uh strategic layer and i feel like that has changed in interesting enough ways that uh i find the expansion a lot more worth it for that it doesn't necessarily make the strategic layer um significantly uh more complicated it just kind of adds the the meld decisions that you have to make but uh kind of alters the flow of the game especially in the first three or four months where you have to uh decide like whether you're going to go for the gene modifications or go for the uh mechanized infantry and then uh there's also the exalt which is like this human faction that you're working against that adds a uh, a different style of a different style of mission with uh different rewards that i think is fairly useful so it's kind of an, an escalation at the strategic layer of you need more money and resources especially up front but the game also offers you more missions to go and get those resources 
right? You you definitely sort of like tacked onto two things that have like d directly affected and sort of like countermanded what I've been saying, and that was um, the the new stress on resources, which is the um, the, the meld. Um, the way that they introduce it is, I think it's in your maybe, it probably depends on whether or not you play the, the, the tutorial. So it's either your like second or third mission, you get introduced to these metal things. And then immediately you're presented with this choice to either build like a gene lab or I don't know, what's the robot version of the gene lab? Yeah, yeah. The, the, the augmentation the lab, something. Yeah. Right. Um, and... And uh, this is around the same time when you're supposed to build the alien containment. And what I did was, is I immediately was like, "All right, let's uh, let's make my guys into mutants." And I built and I built the gene the gene lab. And what it did was, is it's put me in this like position where like I'm like months behind because of that initial thing. And uh, I'm actually kind of worried because, or I was worried. I just I just resolved it. Um, I had I had gone through I think four or five months before I had captured the 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 first outsider, um, which which was which was kind of interesting. So we'll see how that changes. But the exalt is really interesting. The exalt missions I think are the one sort of difference, and I think the the key difference is is I have never felt so much pressure, and the reason is is that. Um, like some of the other missions in XCOM where you would have like teleporting in dudes, you know, the thin men, thin men would drop from the sky. Uh, you in with the exalt missions, uh, you're basically trying to take and hold a piece of territory and you hear these helicopter sounds and some, some guys will drop down. But what's great is that the exalt missions will scale with your level. So it's not just thin men. It's, it's, humans with missiles and snipers and shotguns and they can heal themselves and they have smoke grenades and so they're quite an interesting uh enemy to deal with and uh it's pushed me through the resources i've never used a uh, pistol so much in my life you know yeah. you sort of you like my, my squad moves up back to back like they were in like a matthew mcconaughey movie poster and they just they just have to sit there and it's not even like on overwatch it's if they have to empty their clips and then switch to their pistols and i'm throwing grenades and those were actually like pretty harrowing i really enjoyed them i multiple times i i had many critical injured uh XCOM agents yeah so the exalt missions um Basically, what happens is there's this faction that will steal stuff of yours, money or research or whatever, and then you send a squaddy off on a covert operation where they're taken out of your squad for like 10 days usually. And uh, then at, when that's done, you go and extract them, and that turns into a mission where the squaddy is just there with a pistol. Um, so that's kind of interesting to start where they don't have like their main weapons uh and um you either have to attempt to defend a transmitter for x amount of turns actually stop it from being taken for x amount of turns and you have to just kill the exalt forces who are coming and they're just constantly spawning and you're trying to defend a set piece of land or um you're trying to take the covert squaddy and have him or her run to a bunch of different like satellite things and download data from them all over the map while the exalt forces are spawning in and then you have to get the squaddy extracted and so on 
So both of these offer a different sort of tactical thing than the search and destroy that the original game was right. almost entirely. Like, and if you wanted to take your time and you know just sit there and get the aliens that you know are there, they're all on the map. They're not going to be more of them unless you're doing a council mission. Also, I don't know, this might just be me, but it also seems like I'm running into more scenarios where my guys won't move. Like, I'll be engaged with, like, two or three aliens, like usual. Yep. And yep. then more aliens will just show up. Yes, that's definitely true. I just finished a terror mission where uh, my guys didn't leave their extraction zone. It was just chrysalids <laughs> running at me and then zombies. Oh, my God, it sounds like heaven. It was, it was, <laughs> it was... The, the it was one of the most interesting missions I'd ever done because I'd never encountered it before, and it was also the worst I'd ever done on a rescue mission. Like more than fifty percent of people were killed. Like I just couldn't leave the extraction zone. I just it was uh, the LZ is hot. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, they, um, since you're playing mostly with the gene uh, gene mods instead of the mechs, the mechs are just like perfect for chrysalids because they have so many hit points that it takes two or three chrysalid hits to get them and they can punch them to death right like, yeah. you just run up to a chrysalid and punch it and it's the greatest thing okay so That's there cool. is a use case because what i've been running into is i've become really hesitant about bringing the mechs onto the battlefield because and i guess here would be my criticism of them they kind of don't fit in the rules right the entire game is designed around cover mm -hmm. and the mech to compensate for the fact that you can't really hide a giant hulking cyborg behind like a barrel in the street, uh, you know, it, you know, he's just got more hit points. He's he's a tank. Uh, but the problem is that hit points go really really quickly uh, with ranged with ranged enemies, which most of the guys you're running into are. And so at least uh, you know when I'm running like four man squads uh, before I've got the uh, officers academy, uh, I was not finding the upshot. In bringing mechs out because they were just getting worked uh, by the incoming fire because there was just no way to keep them safe. Uh, and, you know, at that early point at least, when I only had a few slots on the squad, you know, it's kind of like um, the Starship Troopers book, right? Where, you know, right. in, in the mobile industry, everybody fights. Uh, and so I didn't, I, I was just having a, I, I hit a point where it's like, I can't bring mechs onto the field because they're just not versatile enough and they're just soaking up way too much damage. So they went out of the rotation, and it was sort of a repeat. I guess this goes to what you were saying about the uh, original game, David, uh, which is that it was sort of a repeat where I had I had my style, I guess, which was maybe a little less, uh, you know, sniper based than yours. But my style was definitely like, no man, it's all about cover to cover, uh, you know, fire mm -hmm. and movement, and you know, anything that doesn't fit that paradigm, just just get out. Uh, even oh, though yeah. I love the mech's ability to just destroy the battlefield, which is pretty useful when you've got a few marksmen. Yeah, I, I I haven't actually even tried the mechs. I, I, it it potentially could work in the way that I play because I definitely do like a lot of like running in, triggering, running back out. Or at least I did. Now that I'm in, now that I'm stealth. I don't have to do that. Um. So so maybe, but it it definitely just didn't it didn't feel right to me as an XCOM aficionado. The first time I played, I went with the gene mods first over the mechs, and I started struggling a lot because the gene mods get pretty expensive and they aren't terribly useful initially until you start getting a bunch of good corpses mm -hmm. um gotta get those good corpses Got yeah them. uh but the when the game when i played the mechs i i was able to get them and i upgraded the officer training school to squads of five as quickly as i could like that that was where all my money went yeah um 
and got a mech and um you know they're good to have like on the flank you have your main guys doing the cover to cover thing and then you just like occasionally swoop in with the giant punchy robot and uh clear things out and then you know you have your guys move forward a little and then the robot kind of in the background yeah taking definitely. pot shots and that's kind of how it begin. It's begun to feel to me is like the mech is kind of that's your sixth man, right? Because like usually in the ba- in the battlefield anyway, there's actually only so many really useful positions your guys can utilize at one one time, and it, it seems like the mech would be an ideal like okay last guy to move uh, unit or first guy to move and to blow mm-hmm. some yeah. cover away. But either way, he's got to sort of bookend the turn and sort of you know the rest of the the rest of the plan sort of hinges off what that thing does the beginning or end. Uh, where I was just running into trouble is when it's just kind of straight firefights and you got four guys and one of them's a mech. It's like, eh, there's just, he's just going to draw too much fire. But he definitely, the mechs definitely seem like uh, when you've got a little more flexibility that comes with the larger squad sizes, they get a little more useful. Yeah, are you supposed to support them with, like, smoke or something? I don't, yeah, again, having not played with them, I don't really understand. Uh, so I like well the the mechs also upgrade uh, substantially. Oh, okay. So my like there's three tiers of mechs, and where where I was running in trouble is with tier one mechs, where basically uh, they're like a shitty heavy. Uh, you know they've got a minigun right. and everything, uh, but they're kind of limited in what they can do beyond that. So what the guy was really useful for was destroying cover. Uh, you can just empty his clip, uh, taking out cover and a lot of cover. Like I mean he like. The guy's a can opener, basically. You can saw open the side of a UFO and just destroy whatever's inside it, you know, like kicking over an antel. Oh, that's cool. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's to- it's totally great when it works, but the problem is then three floaters come out or something, and, like, you know, in one turn, your mech's gone. And it's like, okay, mm-hmm. well, that's that wasn't terribly useful. So I've definitely found the difficulty a little bit a little bit harder with this with this run. I mean, uh, Rob, you're obviously not going to encounter, but Rowan, have you? Did, do you feel like it's harder? It's it's like it's different, and a lot of the different difficulty is front loaded. Uh, right. F- getting finishing the game was a lot easier. Okay. Um, the late game UFOs were still as annoying and long and probably the worst part of the game as they were yeah. yeah but strategically like once i cleared out the alien base i had satellites over every country and mm-hmm. all of their um threat levels were at one and right. that never okay. changed because you know i had the satellite so i could shoot down anything um and that had never happened to me in the two or three games i'd played before there was always still at least like some sort of strategic I... threat but in the first part of the game there was definitely uh, yeah, I do think that there has been some tweak to the tactical AI so that the aliens are at least more mobile. Um, I think it might be, yeah. I think it might be because I've put myself in a technological hole where I'm still going at them with conventional weapons. Like, I've already cleared out the exalt base. I've done a bunch of stuff, and I'm and I'm going with it. And the only thing that I think is keeping me keeping me sort of alive or in the game is, is again, I'm playing that, that skill roulette, which is kind of interesting. Um because what it does do is it um, it, uh, it it makes those level ups where there wasn't like a particularly good skill to choose from, like your choice was like flush or improve smoke or something like that. And sometimes it replaces it with something really awesome, like bullet swarm or 
close combat or something like that. So, uh, like I said, it, it, the choice was very clear that given given flesh or bullet swarm, you always pick bullet swarm. But I think my guys are a little bit more powerful as well. So I don't know. Yeah, there's that potential. Um, but but yeah, I think there, there's sort of an overall aspect of the game where there's more. Um, and the more can sometimes make things easier, and it can sometimes make things harder. Like, for, for example, the exalt missions, those can be pretty tricky, but you'll get as many laser weapons as you want from them. Uh, well, you, once they get the laser weapons, which I think is once you research laser weapons. Yeah, which was frustrating is, is, is I did that. I'm like, oh, I got all these laser weapons, and then I couldn't use them because I hadn't researched it. So yeah. that, was a, that was a little bit frustrating. Um, one of the, the best things about this expansion, like one of the things I really like, is one, the new maps. Like that is just such a breathe, such a, a some fresh air into the game. I think some of them are fantastic. A lot of the like the the UFOs that crash in cities now. Oh man! Yeah. Oh, fantastic. There's definitely and then there's a couple of smaller maps that I really like. But the the standout for me is I uh, I just finished about a couple of hours ago on um, some of the scripted missions. There's a few more scripted missions, and I think they've pulled out some of the other ones, or maybe they randomize it. And I just played one in Newfoundland. And it was oh, this yeah. like great snow level with like a, a a tanker and set pieces, and it was like full of chrysalids. It was it was really really something special, and uh, I, I I almost wish that uh, I know they I know those those types of things are are expensive and require a lot of unique assets, but uh, I wish someone over there would 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 spend some more time because I would I would rather pay for more of those than uh, I think. Things that I think are largely uh, tacked on. Yeah, so you know the interesting thing with the maps uh, is that I find that I really like what's going on with the maps, but they also tend to touch on one of the areas where the game can be a little more problematic, which is it's sort of dodgy grasp of multi-level levels. Right, right. Um, so, like on the one hand, like there was this one map I was playing uh, where I, I think it's a new map. I don't remember ever seeing it before. It was a uh, it was a dockyard. Uh-huh. Uh, and you're going through this warehouse, and there's catwalks, and then there's a rooftop. Uh, and so what I was, what I, and I, I see this happening actually a lot on a lot of maps where it's like, now my it used to be there was sort of an overwatch position. You know, you'd have a rooftop or something, you put a sniper right. up, and everyone else would stay on the ground. Whatever that was, it was kind of a two level thing. Uh, what I find interesting here is there seems to be a lot more like um, almost street fighting type maps where it's more like. Um, okay, now there's a roof, there's a second story, there's a ground floor, each with its own sort of floor plan, uh, and you need to be you need to be concerned about that because the threats can come from every direction. So it's going to be, what's the best way to split your guys while still making sure they can support each other? And that's becoming really interesting to have. Like, okay, there's two guys going on a second story, somebody going up on the roof for Overwatch, and then two assaults like clearing the ground floor, and got to make sure that all works together. That's really cool. Uh, and I enjoy I enjoy the tactical puzzle. What I don't enjoy playing is the uh, scroll wheel roulette, trying yeah. to get the thing to display correctly. It's the one thing that, like, I don't know, maybe it's an artifact of building it in the Unreal Engine or something. But the the entire thing, like, when when with these with these more complicated level structures, um, the the game struggles to render that properly and let like control properly, and that uh, yeah. can be really frustrating, especially yeah. because there's not an undo move button. Uh, which is kind of important when you misclick. Yeah, and and just like I know there's a there's an engineer out there that's listening that worked on that camera, and I, I trust me, 
I understand how difficult it was, but yeah, it is still frustrating. Need some work. So one of the things that the uh, expansion or perhaps the latest patch improves is that uh, scripted mission where you rescue the ambassador from the bridge. Yeah. There was a part of the map that was like a little overhang where the bridge had collapsed that uh, it used to be impossible to click on, and now it is possible to click on. So th they fixed that one thing with the oh. camera that was drove me absolutely insane. It was like the best Overwatch position where the guy was by the bridge, but you couldn't actually click on it before. Oh, there you go. You can click on a bridge, 9 out of 10. That's perfect. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think the, the new maps are... They're generally really good. Like the the one that you mentioned, Rob, was a standout the the, the dock fight one. Yeah. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. uh, the uh, uh, crashed UFO in the city is good, and then there are a few just kind of ones that are like variations on what they've had before. There's a like a different gas station, I think. Yeah. Right. Yes. Um, a different train yard, a few different forest levels. One that's like in the desert, but still roughly the same as the forest level. So uh, that's that's really nice. I'd say there's probably about as many as there were in the original, maybe like two thirds as many. I think so. I like and it and it definitely you definitely appreciate it because because I think I I want to say it was Bruce. He he basically said that this game was just about moving from cover to cover, and that's a bit reductive, but it's not it's not uh, entirely untrue. So um, basically, having having different. Um, different maps and then also like for myself who's playing with the gen the genetic mods mostly um like having those the the leap ability that also sort of changes the options um on the existing map so it's definitely uh giving me a little bit more more playthrough i can play with that so although i still have to to, to fight with the multi-level camera it, it does give me some more tactical options on some of the older maps so when it comes to um so there's also a lot more items. Uh, there's a there's a ton more uh, stuff you can stick in sort of the grenade slot, uh, for instance. And I'm of two minds about this. On the other hand, like, on, on the one hand, there's a lot of really cool stuff you can kit your soldiers out with, like uh, you know special purpose grenades, uh, invisibility grenades, uh, flashbangs, uh, all good stuff. Um, but I find that there's certain they made a couple choices with the design of XCOM to sort of sharpen uh, all your choices and intensify them, right? So the small, the small squad size is one part, right? Where you can't run, you cannot run uh, sort of the platoon model that you could in the original XCOM, right? You can't have like, okay, two support gunners laying down suppressing fire, everyone else goes forward, whatever. You can't do that here. Uh, you got to be a little, you got to be a little more choosy. And that even goes down to what your soldiers are carrying, uh, and so you you can't have uh, you you can't have the you know the, the the rack of grenades. You get the you get the one grenade. You get you get one chance with this thing, and I find that I, I that tends to make me kind of conservative about what I'm using, especially like yep. things like okay the scope. Your sniper needs the scope. Period. The scope needs to be on that character. They cannot carry anything else. Uh, that's the end of that story. And so I kind of feel like you created all this cool stuff, but it's kind of intention with a system that's all about, okay, man, whatever you bring, you only get to carry one of it. So it's got to be the most useful yep. thing it possibly can be, which discourages some of the experimental play. Like, 
uh, you know, the invisibility grenade, for instance, mm-hmm. is, is kind of my, my go-to example. Cool ability, uh, definitely useful. Problem is, I don't know when it'll be useful. I know exactly when a standard, you know, blow shit up grenade is going to yep. be useful. Yeah, definitely. I think they they try to mitigate that by um, there's a, a foundry project that that gives everyone an extra yeah an extra inventory slot, but it does like like I'm saying it sort of just points to a, a I think a design issue and 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 that I you know earlier we said the thing that you cannot take is you cannot take fire. So every every choice that you make in that game, I feel is preventing the enemy from even getting a shot and then and then trying to reduce that shot and so what happens is that extra slot it just means now like okay well now my heavies get scopes as well and then what am i going to do i'm yeah. going to put i'm going to put like like i've i've actually started using nanofiber vests and i never used them before because it means that uh when i do get shot uh i'm less likely to get a serious injury um, which is which is sort of like a, a meta level decision, but that's what it that's that's ultimately what we've changed and and so I I'm not I'm not getting to play with those new tools because I've created a strategy and every single choice is the same. Uh, it's it's also that the the streamlining in terms of how many turns you have or how many moves you mm-hmm. have in a turn and you're not going to be able to throw a grenade and shoot where in you know most other tactical games you will have that option. Um, and that's not a bad thing. Like I, I love the simplicity of the move shoot in XCOM, but uh, it does mean that yeah, it's very rare that you're going to you know want to use a very specific grenade that's not a you know blow the muton who has four hit points left with his own with an alien grenade, and then you know that's a one hundred percent thing where he's no longer a danger, and you know turning your guys invisible is going to be helpful but it's not necessarily going to ensure that they hit um so yeah that's it's it's cool that those things are there and especially once you get the foundry thing you might be able to use them but in general other than the flashbangs i didn't really use any of them and the flashbangs was just like what were those just like i just occasionally used those for like guys that had more hit points when i ran into them um because those will go through walls which is odd. What? So yeah. if the actually a lot of grenades will go through walls. I found. Wait, doesn't that need to be like a window? Uh, mm, not seemingly. I think it. I think it actually might be an issue with again the multi-level stuff. Like, I've found that also like the battle scanners you can now throw through a lot of walls. If they uh, there is a grenade that d- is affected by walls. It's called the needle grenade. Yep. And I never used that, but uh, yeah, the the flashbangs I would use like if there were enemies that had full hit points and there were two or three of them in a spot where they were in relatively difficult cover. Um, you know, I'd use the flashbang so they wouldn't hit my guys as I moved to a better position. Right. I I do find that um between between having the aliens behaving a little more dynamically with like reinforcements showing up mid fight for instance so you can't just engage the two or three aliens at a time sometimes you end up with that like oh this is getting out of hand uh situation which is which i really enjoy uh i do find that a couple things have happened one is that um i'm playing a much more destructive game Mm, than i did the first time around like it used to be like it was sort of surgical uh you know create the firing line just you know, cut everything down, churn forward, uh, which, you know, was cool. 
now I'm definitely having a lot more scenarios where it's like, you know, it's the first encounter of the game, and my heavy's taking out the rocket launcher and being like, you know, screw it, that wall's got to come down, and you know, and, and I, so it's becoming a, a a game much more about sort of reshaping the battlefield than it ever was before, just like wanton destruction of cover, uh, to again like improve your odds of hitting. Uh, because things get out of hand now uh, more often than they did before, so it becomes much more crucial to be like, I've just got to, I've just got to cut down the numbers as quickly as possible, and I can't take the chance. You know what I mean? Like I can't take the chance that you know three of these four guys are going to survive. I've got to shoot down this wall and guarantee two will die. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, that's that's one change that's happened. Uh, another is that. Increasingly, there's times I also have to run like hell. Uh, I was getting into real trouble uh, because my my MO has always been to be take position and hold it. And there were times when I was just getting overwhelmed. I'd be like, no, I can I can make this work. It's an okay position. Uh, I've just got to stabilize. And really the correct answer was, no, everybody should run like hell and turn around and engage uh, when you're not taking fire. One of the things that the mechs do, in addition to the destroying things with their destroy cover, is if you choose the punch ability that they have. Did you choose that, Rob? Uh, the punchy ability? Punchy or flamethrower, I think, oh, is the punchy. first choice. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, that can punch through walls. Yeah. So, like, there, the first time I used it, or I don't know if it was the very first time I used it, but the first time I really got it was there was a point where there was uh, an exalt... Uh, character position behind a doorway a wall on a doorway so he has like a great position to see me in the room in this room that doesn't have a really good cover and uh he has great cover so i send my mech i punch through the wall i hit him his corpse flies back into a car and that promptly explodes and i'm like oh i get what the mechs are for now <laughs> yes <laughs> They are for destroying walls and making guys explode. Yeah, yeah. I um, think yeah, I've also been playing a more destructive campaign. I, I, and I, I, I hadn't actually even realized that until you said it, and I don't know why. Um, I think it might also be that I feel like heavies are slightly prioritized, and I'm not sure why. Okay. So I would end up with like two, sometimes three heavies as my only guys who were, you know, of decent enough level to go on missions. Um, nope. And that could have just been, mm. you know. Yeah, I, I can't I get I, I can't get a that. second heavy to save my life. Really, I can't find support people. But the 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 the, the other the thing is, is is again one of the side effects of this uh, ability roulette, which which. I, I say hasn't changed the game, but actually it really has. It's t- it's touched a lot of different things. It just hasn't f- answered this this one issue. Is that it's really com- it's really compressed the um the 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 assault and the support classes for me because um, largely uh, they're interchangeable and I've never really used shotguns. I don't know why. I always just what? put the assault rifle. Yeah, am I am I am, is that is that incorrect? Should I be using the assault right the the the, the, with, the shotguns? Yeah, with always, assaults. A shotgun, like you probably want one. Uh, if you're taking two assaults, you want one with a shotgun and one with a rifle. But uh, yeah, the shotgun, especially with the like shoot twice, yeah, um, skill, you just run up to an alien, get right next to it, and shoot it twice with a powerful shotgun, and it's gone. Like, yeah, but but, but aren't you out in the open? Like, is that like it always? It always just seems like too too uh, uh, aggressive well, of a style for. 
Yeah, it's... Um, I mean, the odds if are really good. Yeah, the odds get really good because the shotgun gets a whole lot better the closer you get. Right. You can also, you know, r- with the assault, you can run the assault to right. uh, where they can shoot after they get, like, in cover behind the alien. Um, and, you know, if it's the last alien, then obviously you're going to be okay once it's dead. And finally, they have uh, the skill where the first shot at them from Overwatch when they yes, move lightning will automatically miss. So, yeah, that makes them a lot safer to do that. So that's what? just like, you know, how you run in and finish off one of those, a giant thing that might give you trouble otherwise is the double shot gun blast. What's the uh, what's the other choice besides lightning reflexes? What's the or? It's, it's good, too. Um I, the I assault never one, didn't I think pick is, it. <laughs> the assault one is, I think, probably the best balanced of them. Uh, and close and almost, personal. 30% right. crit chance against adjacency. That seems crazy. Well, I, yeah, I would never take that. Yeah, that. That's, I think that one's new, actually. I think they changed that from whatever it was in Enemy Unknown. No, I, I, re- be- I remember the close and personal. Maybe they changed the the buff yeah. but there's, yeah, there's they, definitely they, a couple of different ones there's one that's like gives plus one damage for every enemy that you see when you crit and there, like, there's a bunch of these like marginal ones that i'm like well these are only going to affect 30 percent of my turn so i'm going to pick the thing that is always going to be relevant well okay so like uh, an example just um okay so for instance Tactical Sense and Aggression are two marginal ones that the second tier for the corporal level. Uh, tactical Sense is plus 5 defense per enemy in sight. Mm-hmm. And then Aggression is plus 10% crit chance uh, per enemy in sight. Right. And so for me, it's kind of like I kind of have two builds I tend to run with assaults. Like there's sort of the support assault that I do, which is going to be like uh, an assault with, with a rifle, uh, basically, mm. if I have extra slot. And uh, with flush ability and such, that can be really good. For uh, both putting more fire down uh, in a turn when you're moving, but also making sure that um, you know an enemy steps out of cover and somebody else can pick him up, uh, that's really useful. And then I also have sort of my suicide assault uh, guy, who it's kind of a misnomer, but his, his job is to sort of charge forward, get those point blank shotgun blasts. Uh, and in that case, that's kind of good to have that uh, you know plus ten crit chance because it's like yeah, he's running into a lot of enemies and something's got to die like for that character to work he's got to go in there and get a kill first thing uh and we'll see what happens so yeah i totally first of all, i would use a shotgun definitely use the shotgun uh and second yeah i i think i think assault in particular is an interesting class because there's actually a couple things you can do with it uh as opposed to some of the other options you got with uh you know say snipers oh you guys play such fast and loose games Hey. Yeah, I mean, think, like, if think, you, think of those those poor soldiers' families. Uh, okay, to to give you an idea of how fast and loose I played, um, my first naming convention, I used Game of Thrones characters because there were enough of them that I could just <laughs> keep putting them in when they all died, and I wouldn't feel like bad when they died because they're supposed to die. Right. So I had like a four-page, uh, you know, dead troop thing that. I, uh, oh my lord! That is that is in, in I think in in uh, what do I have here? 114 hours of this gameplay. I think I've had five characters die. I can't. I can't do it. Are there lifetime stats for this? God, uh, please tell me. It should be like Team <laughs> that Fortress. would be pretty be great if there were. Because I would like. Oh my god! If there was like DLC that just tracked everything, <laughs> like you know, assault survivability. 
uh, would be an interesting one. Um, yeah, assaults are, I think, the most interesting class, Rob. Um, as you were saying, because you have the multiple builds and because, like, there's such a razor's edge of them being, like, suicide runners who go in, maybe kill a guy, and then promptly get shot to death, or the most powerful characters you have who will tilt the battle, like, in a single turn. It's all about having them run in, but not run out of sight of your the rest of your squad guys. It's <laughs> all about like running in and like pulling a bunch of enemies, but then making sure the rest of your squad can deal with whatever they pull. Because uh, yeah, if you're the first guy, you know, into the convenience store, for instance, and everyone else right. starts chilling outside, uh, that does not end well for you. So I think I think a, a testament to this game is the way you two are talking about that class is the exact opposite, right? Like I use the run and gun ability to run to fall back and still be on Overwatch. Like it's the exact opposite. So it's you don't you don't find because when you're saying you, I don't use the shotgun, for instance, like you don't find that like it sounds to me like you are basically creating firing lines and shooting it out with the aliens. Oh, I I am I am I am pulling them back into my kill death square and and just annihilating them right it's it's they're they're it's they're butch cassidy and the sundance kid coming out of and you're coming the out of that convenience or and i'm the bolivian army like that's that's just how it rolls okay yeah i guess i'm more like a roman legion type model where it's like step 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 right. step step kill 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 step step right. step step and and if they won't if they won't come out that's when I use the rocket to blow down the door. Then oh, I yeah. dis- and then I use the disabling shot to make them impotent. And then, then they're then they're screwed. The next so, turn. Quick question for you: uh, with, with the uh, with the human enemies you face, mm-hmm. um, do you find do you find those battles are uh, different? Like we we touched on it a little bit, but like in terms of the way you play the human enemies as opposed to playing the aliens, yeah. Uh, do you find they force different things out of you? Um, yeah, and I think that was sort of the one change. So uh, the big thing is they're the human enemies, right? They have snipers. So that's the first enemy, I think, that that can't move and shoot. I don't believe there's any alien that has that restriction. So you can... you That's the one enemy that if you just move out of their line of sight, like if you, if you can't see them, they can't see you, which means that sniper is no longer a threat. So that's an interesting thing. And then the, the they have heavies which just annihilate you. Like way more so than than the mutons that throw the grenades. Like if you if if their heavies get a rocket, so again, it's it's a move and shoot thing. So so it's if you can force them to move to come to you, then that's then that's an element. Um but also uh they you don't have to kill them. They have self-preservation. So if you if you can knock them down to one or two hit points, they'll retreat and heal as opposed to fire back. And so that can also like that's where a, a potentially interesting choice of whipping out your sidearm and bringing even though you won't you know even though though that that heavy that they have has four hit points left, if you pull out your side sidearm and do two he'll retreat and heal as opposed to attacking you. So it's it definitely is very different. And you're also usually attempting to defend ground or um, maneuver through the battlefield to specific points. So you want to stay moving, but you also want to keep them from getting too 
too much of a toehold on the area that you're trying to defend. Yeah, and tactically often, and there's there's a lot of low low cover in those maps. Um, uh, they're they're usually relatively small. Um, there's often they're often urban environments, so there's lots of like exploding cars available to you to do uh, additional damage, but also like it means that the cover can sort of change. Um, and also because they uh, there's a tactical objectives, um, it really can restrict your use of explosives. So if if they converge on the 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 point that they're trying to take and hack. You can't just fire a rocket in there because you you you'll destroy the objective that you're supposed to protect. So um, yeah, I, I found those uh, quite interesting. And you haven't gotten to the uh, XCOM base assault, have you? So I I think I somehow avoided it because I've I've I never got to the XCOM base I assault. It's avoidable. And, and yeah, I it's I've wiped out Exalt. They no longer exist in my game. It's not Exalt. It's the aliens. Oh, okay. So no, I haven't. Yeah, it's. Yet amazingly intense it's like the exalt missions you know times 10 in terms of having to defend and Did you get uh, a bigger squad sort of i think that your your squaddies there's still only six of them but you mm -hmm. have like a whole bunch of random crappy rookies who are like right. the XCOM staff who are hanging around who are decent cannon fodder they can spot things for you and they'll occasionally take out an enemy there you go. Six um, snipers. Six snipers and a bunch of squads. Guys, guys. This, 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 you don't this. get to choose which guys you have, though. Oh, no! <laughs> yeah. And the aliens drop in from different directions randomly, and the composition of their squads changes randomly as well. So, like, the first time I tried to play it, they were random in a way that eventually had, like, just swarms of muton berserkers and the elites like all hitting me at once like five different squads that was oh. pretty much impossible and then when i reloaded and tried it again it was something manageable but i only ended up with two guys actually surviving and i'll be interested to see if you uh yeah actually it... managed to make sure that all your guys are still alive at the end of it is this an is it a if you lose that mission is it the game over yeah that's so cool that it that's that's a that's a brave design choice i like it uh, so yeah it's really intense you'll end up with like half the base destroyed from rockets because it it gets so is that of a strategic so layer pushback like hey uh about that those facilities you built now it's it's okay. it's kind of on its own and it's not like right. that your base layout matters like in the original XCOM. well yeah i'll, I'll be interested because especially that you don't get to pick um which I think is is kind of interesting as a side effect is although like people I I, I don't leave I don't leave the the men or the ladies behind um, they definitely get injured a lot and I, I I could be wrong but I feel like the injury waiting times are a lot longer because I have definitely had to cycle in uh, people more often than not so I I hopefully I'll be more prepared if they just pick six random uh, have you. Have you gotten all the officer training stuff? Because I've noticed that like the adding the yep. Dean mods and the mechs tends to slow down the officer training stuff that I did. I, yeah, so I I definitely I played the exact same way where I like privileged satellites, et cetera, et cetera, which is what sort of pulled me into that hole. Um, so I I I I think I have the only actually no no I didn't I I I have not gotten wet works which is the one that gives you uh, extra hit points or uh, extra experience points for killing. 
and uh, I have not gotten. Yeah, I think you're right. I definitely that definitely has held me up. Medals. What do you got? What do you have to? Is, is there anything interesting to say about the, the medals? <laughs> not really. I think like you know, it's interesting. They're kind of like what medals are, right? The little marks of distinction that aren't too terribly significant intrinsically. Uh, and and I, I think they kind of function that way. Like, I haven't found any metal where it's like, oh, this is, this is really good. Uh, there, there's a metal that, may, that can make your guys immune to panic, uh, yeah. which is nice. Like, it's, it, it's always good to keep your guys from shooting each other. Uh, so, like, <laughs> it's stuff like that. Uh, that like, yeah, it's, there's a little bit of an effect that's uh, useful. Yeah, I have, I actually have, and I think it's because of my, my, uh, uh, my play style is there's one, I think it's the Medal of Honor, which gives uh, an aim bonus and a will bonus for every mission that you complete that doesn't, that no soldier dies. So, so that that for me for some of my guys is a plus 10 bonus to both those stats and that's just like a flat thing so my my uh, my aiming is just fantastic like my snipers are like 100 percent hit every single time and this is only four months in um the metals along with the gene mods and the mechs to some extent kind of change the focus of the game from I don't know, not necessarily like anonymous squaddies, but they make it a lot harder to like have any of your squaddies be used as cannon fodder. Mm-hmm. Um, that there's just a general sort of you're investing a lot more into these characters and it's making the and it's giving them a lot more ways to keep alive. So the game becomes you know, less of a less turnover of soldiers and more eventually you get your elite squad that gets set up that uh you really really don't want to lose any of them and in the in the original game that was really only true for snipers who were a massive pain to like level up if they uh if you ever lost one whereas in this now it's pretty much every elite level character you have invested a hell of a lot of money and meld and um, metals onto into whatever um, so there's kind of a slow change in focus to um, fewer elite units especially as the game progresses and that's that's also partially uh, the case because you have it's the um, enemy within comes with another little add-on type thing like the operation slingshot it's called Operation Progeny, where, and I don't think you actually get the bulk of it until you clear out the alien base, but it does involve getting a another character who, she's got her own accent and uh, her own hairstyle that no, none of the other characters in the game have. And uh, so you get another thing where you have a character that you really want to keep. And then eventually when you finish it, you get three more elite level characters that they're not unique in any way. But you you get three characters who I think are majors who also will test positive for psionics at the end, which is a little game unbalancing. Whoa, so you can have like... That's like four, four or five automatically right there. Yeah, you get yeah. four automatically and then whatever you happen to have. So especially if you were playing with the... Um, 
the second wave option of rare gift or whatever it is where mm -hmm. you have virtually no psionics uh this makes it uh not the case where you have to wait a while you know i think i saw somebody on twitter say that um you know if the first ex if enemy within if, if enemy unknown was uh i want to say if, if enemy unknown was starship troopers then enemy within is the avengers uh that <laughs> overall like you're you're you get that you, you get this sort of superhero effect where it's <clears throat> not just trained soldiers anymore but sort of to what you were speaking speaking uh to rowan is the idea that okay these aren't just veterans these are massive investments of ability and technology that are now effectively superhuman um and the heroes can't die uh do, do you find do, do you guys find that like um Rowan, you said you run a very casualty heavy style i mean do, do, do you find this game discourages eating losses uh even more than uh the previous one uh yeah especially the mechs the mechs are super expensive and you can get to the point where you rely on them a little too much um so the way i normally play is not like officially in-game iron man um but i will reload if there's a wipe so i got to the point where like mentally i felt like losing the mech was an automatic wipe even though you know maybe it wasn't right <laughs> so i would reload and i i would start the mission again i wouldn't like reload two turns earlier or anything like that but uh yeah it that's how i kind of went in initially and then as the game progressed i got even looser with that reload idea uh and it wasn't just the mechs it was also various other soldiers it was the operation slingshot guy who i turned into like a, an elite heavy um and you know i like the guys with accents uh so i just <laughs> i just uh got to the point where like anything was driving me insane one of the one of the council missions i think it's actually the first of the operation progeny ones where you are investigating a convoy in france that has been destroyed and it just bombards you with thin men and they're just like constantly critting your guys like eventually i just save scummed that one yeah. because it was such a pain um so yeah i i do feel like I got to the point where I was breaking my Iron Man idea earlier than I might have in an Enemy Unknown game. But it's also true that the game makes it easier to do that mechanically, because one of the gene mods you can get is a second heart, which it prevents your characters from instantly dying. Mm -hmm. So, But man, do uh, things ever snowball fast in this game, though? Yeah. I, I, my My relationship with it is... It has been a much more difficult first four months, either either because of game balance or or because of the sort of the tactical scenario that I put or the strategic scenario that I put myself in because of the of pursuing the gene mods. Uh, but I can feel myself sort of cresting the precipice, which I which I which I encountered in Enemy Unknown, where where I do become superheroes and I would say it's it stops being that big of an issue like where with like two snipers with with double tap like even like a, one of the big secto robots or like the the discs like you can sort of nuke one of them in a single turn and 
they, they stop becoming that big of an issue. Your guys have Titan armor, plus they have the ability that gives them extra hit points, so now they have like four bars worth of stuff. And it definitely, at that point, I would say it it breaks away from that that feeling that the 93 XCOM gave, um, where I, I remember, and I was a much younger, and a much younger gamer back then, but being increasingly terrified uh, uh, going into into a mission. Enemy Unknown sort of had that just in terms of the the new bad guys that you would end up encountering, because it's just like as soon as you like felt relaxed. Mm-hmm. What the hell is the sectopod thing? Oh my god, it can attack twice. Um, but obviously that goes away with repeated playthroughs, but it still had a really interesting thing where like every every advance you got seemed to be matched by an alien advance that was worse. You're right, um, you're right. But uh, yeah, this game definitely, especially once you clear out the exalt base and then the alien base, strategically it becomes a breeze because like there's... The, it's so front loaded in terms of you know you have the gene mods and the mechs and all that and then you get to the point where you can afford those gene mods for like all your squaddies you get to the point where um exalt is no longer a constant threat and uh there's a whole lot of money from clearing out the exalt base as well that that's <laughs> that's pretty helpful too and global but, yeah. panic reduction for the exalt base too yep yep okay yeah, yeah. so like it does really front load all that stuff to the point where yeah there's definitely a a crest right in the middle of the game and then the last third of the game is just those really big ass ufos yeah i guess there's one thing i hope it's that you know first of all i'm totally on board for if if firaxis want to make this a two expansion game as they did Mm -hmm. uh civ 5 yes absolutely uh i would i I would i welcome more xcom and i do kind of feel that um yeah maybe the early 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 mid game has gotten a little more uh interesting here and the problem is it kind of runs out of new stuff to throw at you it sounds like, and then it turns back into XCOM Enemy Unknown, uh, where the end game is kind of like there are these set things you have to do, and it's really easy just to tread water until that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, you can just, I mean, the, like my, uh, you know, what my standard operating procedure in Enemy Unknown was if I didn't have a crew that I felt comfortable taking up to the alien mothership, uh, then I would just grind out missions. Uh, you know, until I had some serious veterans to send up there, and then we go win, which is really not how an XCOM game yeah. should feel. Uh, you know, from from sort of a thematic standpoint. Uh, so it, it does sort of seem like the next step would be, and it's it, uh, it's cool how they've integrated this, where like they've sort of slid an entire side plot into the existing game, and it's kind of exciting because if you can keep doing that, and maybe even throw some branches into the campaign somehow you could create sort of the XCOM experience, what I think a lot of people kind of want, which is something a little less predictable, a little more dynamic, uh, you know, a little different, you know, each time you, you play through it. Right now, the short, the, the, the main criticism is that, uh, you know, that, that strategic layer just kind of runs out of things to say, uh, you know, mm-hmm. and that's, that's, a, that's a bit problematic. There are two other aspects of the expansion that I think are worth talking about. Um, the first is 
the options available in the when you're starting a new game. Um, the the skill roulette is one that David mentioned a few times. That that's pretty interesting. I didn't use that up, but I probably would in a second game. Uh, there are two others. One is now you can save scum, where it reloads the random uh, randomization or it redoes the randomization when you reload instead of having the same randomization every time. Which I think when XCOM originally came out, I noticed some people who were maybe not, you know, into PC strategy games wondering why it was the same result every time, even when they reloaded. Uh, so I think that's kind of a nod to the crossover effectiveness of the original, uh, that they would include that now. But the second one that I used and really liked was, I think it's called Aiming Angles, where mm-hmm, mm-hmm. now it's it's no longer quite so much of a board game where if a guy is facing you at all, he has the exact same amount of cover and you have the exact amount of two hit on him. But the closer you get to uh, flanking, the higher your aim goes up. So he can still be in cover oh. and in front of mm-hmm. you, but you will still have you know an extra 10% well, if that you move well over intuitive. 10 spaces to the 10 paces to the right. Yeah. yeah, I'm I'm using that as well. I'm also using um, that uh, the in in an attempt to sort of create more differentiation between my 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 soldiers. I, I check the one that gives random skill increases. Yeah. Um, but what I found is it just means that like I only bring the best ones anyway. Like it just it sort of it just makes those decisions more clear. So that was a mistake. Uh, on my part, the one that I would never even consider is the one that makes the weapons more variable. I don't know what that says about me, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't think I could handle the, uh, you know, hitting, hitting uh, a sectoid with a, with a sniper rifle and it only doing one point of damage. Yeah, I use that one. That one is, uh, both of the last two you mentioned were added with the, the second wave patch. Um, but I guess that was after the the first XCOM podcast. So those are those are really interesting. I used the weapon damage one, and yeah, you can get the occasional extreme frustration of a weapon that should do a lot more damage only doing one or two. But then you get the the other extreme where you know you get a massive crit each time. Uh, okay. um, but you know if you seem to want to play an extremely controlled game where yes <laughs> i like the crazy randomness as long as it doesn't get too overwhelming um and the other thing that it adds is some more not probably not quite enough more uh character customization just aesthetically uh there are a couple new hairstyles a whole bunch of new hats um i think there are a few different armor styles for you know the different armors that you wear like the initial ones that you have the the sort of uh leather leathery one that's the default and then you have the sort of plastic armor looking thing and then there's one that's like a massive winter overcoat um there are also uh different voices i think like I swear one of the voices is Ashley Williams from Mass Effect. So Okay, uh, there have been a few voices that have been driving me crazy because it's like yeah. there's a few voices where they sound very familiar and I can't put my fingers on it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure one of them is Ash from Mass Effect. Um, and you can also get different languages finally. 
Yeah, so, they just did the voice pack, the 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 regionalized voices, right? They just yeah. made those available for everyone. So yeah, that you can have Spanish, French, German, Russian, and Polish. Interestingly, since Polish isn't or Poland isn't a country in the game, as well as Italian. Um, but I don't, I don't think Italy is in the game. Maybe it is. No, it's not. There are only four in Europe. Yeah. So that's a decent amount of flavor. I wish they added accents because it's still every single English speaker is American, even though half your squaddies are from uh, England or Australia or whatever, or South Africa. And then they don't have Chinese or Japanese or anything that's not a European language. Um, so it's not, it doesn't feel like quite enough, but it's definitely enough to give like slightly more flavor with your, right. your troops moving and saying different things to you. Um, and I, I love the customization options. Uh, so anything more with that, like I had a, a character in a, the, with a red fedora who went practically through the entire game with me. I think she started on the first mission perhaps. Um, and I gave her a bright red fedora and she was, you know, the awesome fedora support. It was great. Overall, I, I, I gotta say like, you know, it's a, it's a fine expansion. There's, there's a lot of things I enjoy about it, but like, you know, if you ju- like, it depends how you judge an expansion, right? Like, does it does this like change? Does this revolutionize XCOM? Uh, not really. I I don't find it. It it does. It gives me new stuff to do with a game that I liked, and it started to feel uh, maybe I'd exhausted a little bit, or was, at least I was a little tired of the vanilla game, uh, and I was kind of done playing that. And now I'm back to um, you know, about about where I spent most of last winter and uh, you know early spring, which is just like uh, nothing really sounds good. Okay, I'll pop into XCOM and play a couple battles, um, and I am one hundred percent okay with that. The the you know the, we complain. I complain at least sometimes about some of the simplifications that they've made, like the, the the hard choices they forced on you. But the flip side of that is this is such an easily digestible. Uh, tactical game that it's just like there's never a time I'm not up for XCOM and uh, I just like that there's there are a few things that have changed up uh, what was starting to wear thin yeah I, I definitely agree I mean like the XCOM to me you know you have a, a a fine a fine bottle of four roses single barrel and that makes a really great cocktail but then someday someone comes over and has a bottle of Campari and vermouth and it same great bourbon completely different cocktail and they're both fantastic yeah it's it's a really great excuse to play the game again and like that feels like that's enough to say like if you if you were really into XCOM like having a reason to play it again because it could get repetitive um, that's that's more than enough to get excited about Um, I'm not sure that that's $30 or $40 on consoles excited uh which is a bit of an issue but you know it's that's that's your choice to make when you're deciding whether to get it right it's uh yeah on console for it's 40 dollars. that's because it's a standalone is that is that right how that it's, works? it's like it's like the commander pack so it's like the game of the year edition right because the expansion was too big for them to put it as something that you could just download right of course do you basically got to buy xcom again Right, yeah, I, I guess so. So I suspect that that's a pain because it was on PlayStation Plus. But I would say that if you have a console and you haven't bought XCOM, then you definitely should. 
But you really, know. if you're listening to this show, why weren't you playing it on PC in the first place? <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I, I'm not sure who I'm making my recommendation to, but uh, yeah, it's it, it's just odd. It, it's oddly priced, I think. it's. I don't feel like it's quite as... There's not like... The best way, okay. The best way to put this, like, when you get a civilization expansion, there's mm-hmm. a whole bunch of gameplay things that may or may not be like stuff that makes the game better and more interesting and so on. But there's always more civilizations, and you can look at those civilizations and say, "Yes, my game is right. more varied and deeper now yeah. because I have those." So, like, you can say this is definitely different, and you're, yeah, you can you're hang right. on that. And this doesn't have that. And you can't. Well, but yeah, and it's easy to underestimate. Like, how do you show like? The expanded map selection, for instance. That's a hard thing to showcase, but, like, you feel it when you're playing it, right? Where you're like, oh, man, I haven't, like... You know, midway through an XCOM game in vanilla, you'd seen all the maps. And things would play out differently, but, yeah, you, you knew the maps. Here, here it's a little bit like, uh, I don't know what's going to happen next. I don't know what the what the tactical space is going to be. Uh, that's, right. that's and, nice. Yeah. That's and, and I think that's sort of says something to the, to the nature of an expansion and i said before how i've heard them make comparisons to it and i think they're very different and i think what rowan said was very astute and that is uh, with this game the effect of your first playthrough is very important right you're never gonna get that first impression and i think largely what this what this like this expansion will have the greatest effect on someone that has never played the game before i think because they get halfway through the the game they they will not have uh seen all those maps and so now they won't have that that feeling of repetition there will always be something new i think the added uh, strategic pressure that it puts in um i don't think the first time player will know the exact way to correct and to to exploit maybe the back half and so i i i, I Despite it being weird, maybe maybe it is a sort of it is better to think of it as just a, a a game of the year edition with a few tweaks rather than a proper expansion. Well, I mean, we'll leave it there on that slightly inconclusive new note. <laughs> uh, but it's bottom good, line is, it's just I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> maybe it's not thirty dollars good. Maybe it uh, is. Yeah, it's, it's just what what's thirty dollars mean to you? And for me, it's like okay, I'm playing XCOM again. That's good. Yeah, I, I'm yep. back to playing XCOM. I, so it's my holiday game again. Great. Merry Christmas to me. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm on board with that. It's the, the the pricing stuff isn't so much the interesting question. It's just it's it, you know we've we've covered what's in there and uh, there's a little more variety, and that's kind of what the game needed. Uh, you didn't need to change it too much uh, and in the future probably needs even more variety uh but very happy with where this leaves the game uh anyway that'll do it for us this week uh my thanks to you rowan and david for spending your sunday with me and uh my thanks as always to our producer michael hermes for putting this episode together uh we will be back next week with some kind of show i am certain uh until then uh happy holidays and uh this has been three moves ahead good night thank you have a good one